Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in Rockhampton. And today I have with me Sam Howard, Principal at Gracemere State School. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you, Trudy. Thanks for having me. Hey, look, and let's kick off, Sam, with our conversation starter. In your role as Principal, what are you most proud of? I had to do a lot of thinking about that because I actually thought about it from what am I most proud of in my life. And then I actually went back and reread the question properly. Um, So I think I'm going to say that... In my life, I'm actually most proud of being a principal because I remember when I left school that we got references and um, from your principal and the principal sort of said that I wouldn't get very far in life. So from that perspective, I'm very proud of being a principal. What am I proud of or most proud of as being a principal? I think it's being principal of Gracemead State School and the award that we've won this year in the Reconciliation, Premier's Reconciliations Award, and we won the award for the Durumbal Language Program that we're doing and rolling out currently at the moment. I've never won an award before, so that was pretty special. Well, that that's really cool. Um, and Sam, it's because of the work that Gracemead School has done with Durumbal Language that we're recording this podcast episode, so that's a great segue. Before we go there, though, let me say that um, what I'm most proud of, and I was thinking about this just before we jumped on and hit record, but to me it's what I see our school leaders and our leadership team and our teachers do each and every day to try and make a difference for our students. And, you know, a lot of kids are doing it tough and Mm. um, it's just that can-do attitude and what else can we do? to make a difference for our young people and and I get really proud about how we do that in central Queensland so and I think the language program that you've introduced at Gracemere is a great example of this because it's been a long-term commitment it Mm, hasn't just happened overnight and um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that so let's let's go all the way back then and and tell me Sam What, for you, has led you to lead this work in your school? I think, Trudy, it was was not ever there. It was not something that I ever thought about. When I first started teaching, I taught over in England Then because there were no jobs here. Then I came back. um, I was teaching down in um, the Gold Coast Corridor for a couple of years, went out west, and that's where my permanent teaching position started. And I think when I think back about all of this, that's where I suppose I got introduced to 
um, our First Nations people. Um, that's where I had the most exposure to having Indigenous students in our school. And my first acting principal position was actually at Julia Creek. So that, yeah, that was that was a very big eye opener from the girl from the city who'd been in England teaching in private schools. So yeah, when I reflect back, I think that's where it all started for me. And then it's just slowly grown and, and I've always remained in that um, central Queensland area and I mean regions were very different back then, I'm talking 1996 or something like that. We've got a large Indigenous population in central Queensland so there's I've always had connections there, I've always had to build connections but it wasn't really until I got to Gracemere 26 years later that it all started to come together. Yeah, so was there any particular experience that you had that made this click for you? There was a particular experience, but I think it even goes back a little bit before that to 2012. I actually participated in the Stronger, Smarter Leadership Institute training. I think that is one of the most rigorous PDs I've ever been involved in. It ran for five days. It ran for upwards of... 10 odd hours a day we'd start at about 8 30 in the morning we'd break for lunch we'd break for afternoon tea we'd break for dinner and we'd come back again and go till about nine o'clock at night and it did things to me that um i never imagined would would happen throughout the, the course and it was very much about delving deep within inside you to find out and recognize and acknowledge a lot of personal stuff that had happened So that's, I think, where it all started. So I was absolutely drained as the rest of us were by the end of that. And it sort of just sat with me. I didn't really do much with it. But then over the years from there, I became more involved with more Indigenous kids in my school and more Indigenous communities to where I got to Gracemere. I think for me, ultimately, my biggest aha moment would have been when I did Walk on Country last year with a group of principals this time last year. It just reignited those same connections that I felt way back in 2012. And there were quite a number of people that were there, Cindy Willett being one of them, that I'd gone through the course with. Wow. So, yeah, I the connections got reignited. And, yeah, the connection that you get when you do a walk on country is nothing that you can ever explain. Mm. And I must say, Sam, that others who had that same experience at the same time Mm. of you have simply described it to me as a life-changing experience. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very much. And can I say, though, that life-changing experience can happen regularly after that. So we just recently have, um, and you were there, Um, unveiled a painting that's been done by an artist in Brisbane but at the request of one of our um, elders and I approached the family and just said I just wanted something that was representative of our families that we could display in the school and I was looking at the water lilies because that's the Durumbal um, totem and what I got back was just blew my mind, as you would know. And we've got back this whole story around Yadaba, which is respect, and the importance of that, not just within the home, but within the community and ultimately within the school. And that just blew me away. And every time I touch that painting, I get that connection now. It is very, very um, strange. And special. 
very special, very, very special. Sam, you just talked about walking on country, but your decision to go down the pathway of Durumbal language as your language other than English mm-hmm. started way before that. Oh, so absolutely. can you take us back to yep. why you made or how your school community came to make that decision? So when I got to Gracemere, we had Japanese as our then language other than English. And we had a lot of students disengaging, mainstream students and Indigenous students. And I very distinctly remember the day that I sat in my office talking to you and Sophie Yasho, who was um, out visiting as well, and talking to you about, you know, what can we do to try and re-engage these students? And it was really born out of that conversation. So Sophie threw in a lot of information about ways that we might be able to support our Indigenous students. And it just got me thinking. And then I started to have conversations with Sophie and with our HOC and it just sort of snowballed very suddenly and we decided that maybe this is the way that we needed to go. So that's when the consultation process started. Okay, you say that's when the consultation <laughs> process started. Let's dig into that. What what was it? What's really involved in this space? Oh, look, it, it's taken a long time. It took us two and a half years of consultation to get to the point where we were at the beginning of this year where we actually rolled out our very first Rumble language lesson in place of any other language. Um, and I think the very special part of that was that it's aligned to the Australian curriculum. And whilst we've got a lot of other schools that are doing work in that space, it's not necessarily aligned to the curriculum yet. And I think that's why we found it so special. But we had no choice but to go down that path as well, because if we wanted to bring a completely different language in, you know, it's part of the curriculum, it's one of the key learning areas, and we had to align it. After two and a half years of consultation, and COVID did impact a little bit on that, uh, we talked with uh, parents, we talked with students, we talked with staff, we surveyed people, we had conversations with Sophie as the CEC for the region, we talked to Durumble elders, we talked to our elders, we talked to a whole range of people before we finally got to this point. But yeah, two and a half years it took for us to get everyone on board, get consensus and form what we call the DLAG group, which is the Durumble Language Advisory Group that oversees this process for us. Yeah, and it's been a considerable journey. So, Sam, what other considerations did you have to take in that you would recommend other principals if they were thinking about this? I think the very first thing is you've got to have a passion for it. There's got to be a reason. And as I said, our reason was that we had kids disengaging everywhere, mainstream kids as well as our Indigenous students as well. We also had a real disconnect between our Indigenous families, our elder families within the community as well. So I think we actually started off by also working with Sophie around what it was like for an Indigenous person to walk into our school and we did what we call a walk on school country. That was actually the very one of the initial things we did and Sophie was able to guide the executive team around the school and point out different areas of interest, things that she noticed from from an Indigenous person's perspective um, that was welcoming or not welcoming within the school. And then from there, we then slowly started working on trying to write that 
make the environment more welcoming, but also it's about building relationships. And I think that you honestly won't get anywhere if you don't start with relationships. And it actually starts with your kids. And once you start building that relationship with the kids, then you can actually start building the relationships with the families. And then you can start building your relationships with the wider community. And people like to rumble enterprises and the Hatfield family who are actually the keepers, the gatekeepers of the Durumbal language at the moment. It really comes back to relationships across the whole process and if you haven't got those and you're not culturally sensitive, and I was far from culturally sensitive, I'm sure Sophie will tell everybody that, but I asked questions. I asked all the way along and I made sure that I surrounded myself with the right people And before I ever sent an email, before I made a phone call, before I had a conversation, I would talk to certain people. So we actually started off with an Indigenous teacher aide working in our school when I first got there. That focus really was more just on um, making sure that our Indigenous students were coming to school and, and keeping a bit of a connection going. But that was with the aide and the families, not the wider school. That aide then left and we brought in another person to take her place and that's when it really started to evolve. That person came in and we brought them in as a family support officer and they actually started working with the Indigenous families but actually then started to widen its scope and it actually became about our whole community. And we started doing home visits and once that person had the relationships and the role started to evolve, then I started to jump in and do little things. So I would go on a home visit and I'd start to talk to our Indigenous families in their own environment. And when they did come to school, I didn't force them into the office or I'd, if they were coming to bring lunch, I'd run out to the car and have a quick chat with them. So it was very much about relationship building the whole way along and still is. So you mentioned earlier about that connection with the Australian curriculum. Mm -hmm. What considerations have there been in that space? So my hawk probably has done the most work in that space. Um, She and my family support officer, um, who also, as I say, the role evolved there and became more of a CEC role, Um, they went down and started um, participating in a lot of PD. And I think that's probably the next step after you've got your relationships is that you actually start to surround yourself with as much professional development as you can and you start building your networks. So they went down and did some work with the State Library. There was a PD that was run down there. And by going down there, they then started to build networks with all the right people in central office um, and in the right teams. So we then started to have those connections and then we started looking at the curriculum and what was expected and it was hard because there's not a lot. Indigenous language is is Mm. very new so they're still working in that space. Henry Fraser was at one of our big connectors down there and he actually sent me a document that um, they'd been working on in trying to align languages to the Australian curriculum. So we used that as a bit of a basis. We also made sure that we did school visits. So I actually went through all the grants, um, the Indigenous grants that were out there that people had won or become runners-up to see who was close by. And then we started doing very targeted school visits and Eidsvold was one. So we started to develop quite a 
relationship with Oswald School and Preston Parra and the work that he was doing down there. COVID then hit and really impacted us hard on being able to go out anywhere else. We were planning to go to Mossman and Tiarabar as well because they were also doing amazing work, Mossman particularly, in aligning curriculum. So the base, the platform of their program was very much about curriculum, whereas ours had started more around the relationships and the culture mm. before we got to that. So I think that that's where the curriculum part actually started from. And then we started to build it slowly from there. It certainly is considered a piece of work, isn't it? It is. To have the program being true to the Australian curriculum and the intent. It is. And the only way we can actually make that happen is that our hod of curriculum has to sit in on every lesson and map it. So we tried to to work it so that we were following what Henry had sent us, but it wasn't working. That didn't work for Nayaniki, and she's the one that we ended up engaging to come out and run our language lessons. And um, so the way we rolled that out in the end was that Naya would teach a lesson that we had our family support officer sitting in on those lessons as a support person, uh, for both Naya and also for the students. We started in year four and worked from year four to six. And then um, our head of curriculum would sit just outside the door so she wasn't impacting too much and putting Naya off. Um, and she would map what Naya was saying and talking about to, to the curriculum. So highlighting documents. So we've done that for nine months now. And then we pull that together every term into a unit of work. So it is quite intensive. It is very, very intensive, yeah. So I suppose I've done the hard yards in building those relationships and having all the conversations with the right people. The team has come along with me, but it really falls back to the head of curriculum now to take it down the next path, which is is the alignment. And that's going to take a couple of years. That's not going to be an easy process. So once we've gone through all the units that we've negotiated with Durumble to teach, then we map it. But then it's not just about mapping it. We've got to map it against each year level. So as I said, we're working in the four to six space this year. Uh, and then the aim is next year is to roll that out from a cultural perspective across prep to three. Mm. So there's a long-term commitment here, oh, of course. Oh, absolutely, yeah. In terms of sustainability with teaching, mm-hmm. what have you put in place in that space? So in terms of that, we've got um, a member of our community who is also a parent who's um, come on board as a teacher aide, um, and we brought them into the school and then started having some very soft conversations about what, how they felt about it and would they be interested in one day maybe picking this up and we got a positive response from that so then we started talking to them about how, what that might look like which involved the RATEP program so the RATEP program is still we still have an office here in Rockhampton it's still attached to Park Ave's um, State School so we then started to liaise with the RATEP coordinator about what that might look like Kathy, Anna Kathy, also sits in on the language lessons, so she's hearing, and and I think we've also got to remember that Durumble language in a lot of families, particularly in Gracemere, is not widely used. So even though we've got a, lo- a lot of First Nations people who align to Durumble, and that's that's their clan, 
they're not necessarily using the language on a regular basis. So I think this has been really good to revive the language, not just for the school, but for these families and for Durumble. Yeah, as a whole. So Kathy is still learning as well because she didn't grow up um, learning Durumble language as her first language. English was their first language. So she's still in this learning phase as well. I think everybody is still in the learning phase, even working with Naya, Naya Nikki. It's very new and I think it's so, it, we've really had to slow it up. While it's been a long-term project, it actually only started at the beginning of mm. this year. So, you know, not even 12 months in mm. and we know with anything as you implement new programs, there is refining that happens over time where people, yeah. you know, build their confidence and their capability and understanding. And and we've got to remember, I think, Trudy, that we're not just building capability within our teachers and our, our students, that we're also building Durumble Enterprises capability as well because they've never done this before. So it's very, very new for them. So we're trying to work really slowly and gently mm. with them in what this is going to look like in a corporate space because they've not worked in that space before. They understand the importance of it, they un understand the importance of aligning it to the curriculum. I think resourcing is also an issue for them because at the moment there's only Nayaniki and her granddaughter Leilani that are out there in Rockhampton region teaching it. So that's why we went down the path of uh, looking at um, one of our community people and Nay has been working really closely with her to help build her knowledge in the hopes that one day Auntie Cathy will be able to take it over at Grace Mere. And I think that is where we'll get the longevity and that's where it will become embedded. We've also got the Durumble Language Advisory Group and everything has to run through that. So there is no opportunity for someone to come in and go, sorry, no, Grace Me is not doing that anymore. You've got to run it through this advisory group if you want to make any changes. Mm -hmm. You said before about that cultural understanding mm -hmm. and, and being sensitive to the culture and that you feel like at times you didn't get it right. But Oh, I know I didn't get it right. <laughs> but tell me about what you've done in that space to build that capability for yourself. I think I use Sophie a lot, Sophie Yasso. She's been amazing. I don't think we could have got as far as we have without Sophie. And Sophie's also acted as that liaison person between us and Rumble Enterprises as well. I think having our family support officer as well, unbeknownst to me, and this has unfolded over the last few years, that there were a lot more connections between the family support officer and the Indigenous community of Gracemere than I realised as well. So that has really, really helped. Uh, both of those people will pick me up if I'm saying or doing the wrong thing or I haven't done something. And I think that that, that has helped. From Sophie's point of view too, I can be myself and I can just call it as a white person sees it and know that I'm not going to get chastised or I'm not going to get in trouble from Sophie. Sophie will talk me through the whys, the wherefores, and then what the next step or the next word to, needs to be. Um, I'm still got to watch my emails and how I send them. So I will always ring Sophie, for example, before I do that and make sure that I've got my wording right. Yeah, I get wow. too corporate and we've got to take the corporateness out of it and just just yarn so your relationship with those two people is obviously really strong because mm. they 
feel comfortable to give you the feedback mm, as absolutely. the principal of the school, which, mm. you know, let's just say it, lots of people have not have a view around principles mm. and what they should and shouldn't do and to give a principal feedback and say, hey, don't do it that way, do it this way, or you've got that bit wrong, yep. do it. Yep. So that, to me, speaks around a really strong relationship with Sophie and with your family support mm. officer so that they can tell you when you've got it wrong mm. so you can get it right in the future. Mm. Whether we're talking about our First Nations people and work that we're doing in the Indigenous space or not, it all comes down to relationships. And if you haven't got the relationships with anybody, how can you forward any agenda? But it's part of my practice. It's part of me as as a principal. I want to be that approachable person. So I think unless you've... You've got that relationship with someone and or people that have connections in your community, you're not going to get very far if this is a process you want to go or a path you want to go down. Yeah. And Sam, talk to me about understanding cultural protocols. Um, So obviously there are a whole range of protocols that um, we should be following as... as, um, to support our First Nations people. And it goes right back to um, your welcome to country or acknowledgement of country. You know, that's a simple thing. And it's something that we weren't doing on any regular basis. So, you know, just putting that on the bottom of our emails, for example, and adding it into our assemblies. And whenever we had any formal events, you know, making sure that we acknowledged our First Nations people that's a really little one but big in the big scheme of things but where do you find all that information from and I think that was the hard thing but then we were blessed because we had someone within our school that understood that those processes and those protocols and was able to help guide us and the relationship that we built with Sophie so Sophie would come out and still does come out to our school pretty regularly to check in Otherwise, I'd just pick up the phone and ring. It's really, really important that you make sure you follow those protocols because if you don't follow the protocols, then that could get you offside and it could take a little while to rebuild those relationships again and and go the next step. So, Sam, is there anything else that you think is important to share with our listeners about this work? I think truly the biggest thing that I've got out of this is if this is a path you want to go down, you've got to have relationships. If you haven't got relationships across the board, you're not going to get anywhere. And you have to be patient because it's not a quick piece of work. And once you actually get to the point where you might be rolling out your language program, it doesn't stop there. There's still a lot more work to go. And it's hard. It's hard and it's very frustrating at times. Um, so provided you've got patience and you've got relationships, mm-hmm. um, good things will happen. Yeah, and just to wrap up, you said it's hard, but Sam, what's been the feedback or the impact for the students at Gracemere? I think that it's not just about the students at Gracemere, it's about the community as well, Trudy, and I think that this work has actually opened our Indigenous families view of the school up and there's relationships now there where there weren't before and you will often hear them uh, um, talking about, oh, I'm just talking to Sam 
well, who's Sam, they say. Sam, the principal, like, who else would you be talking to? So to have those relationships and people to feel comfortable coming in the gate now is amazing. And that flows through to the students. There's still a lot of work to do with our students, though, can I say, because there still is a lack of pride in who they are and their identity. And when we actually started delving into the cultural side of this, kids didn't know their totems, they didn't know where they came from. And it wasn't until we actually sat and got the map of Australia out and we sent them home to talk to their families to find out the information. So there's still a lot of work to do. You know, they won't get up and dance in front of their peers. They still are nervous about acknowledging who they are. So, yeah, still a lot of work to go, but we're a long way down the path now and they know that we care and they know that we're there to support them. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks, Sam. It's all right. So, you know, with our podcast, we do the fast five questions that aren't so fast. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play with (laughs) most of them. Okay. So, Sam, (laughs) when and where was your first teaching appointment? I think I said earlier, my first teaching appointment was in London, in England. I was at a private school and that was back in 1991. Then I came back to Queensland uh, in about 1995 and I commenced work um, on a contract at Eagleby State School down in the Gold Coast Corridor. Yeah, great. Sam, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? (laughs) Uh, The last thing that made me smile was my head of curriculum this morning, Tonya, because she taught me how to insert a hyperlink behind all those links that I've put in there for you. And and Sam's referring to the links in the show notes, folks. So uh, thanks, Sam, for the hyperlinks. Well, actually, thanks, (laughs) Tonya. Tonya. That's great. Sam, what's your best book or film recommendation? This was really hard, Trudy, because, you know, I don't have time to read books. And when I do watch a film, it's usually Netflix and it's very non-brain draining stuff. So I think at the moment, or what I watched over the holidays was something called Georgia and Ginny on Netflix. And I don't have to think, I I just have to watch. But yeah, I would love to have more time to read, but I just don't. And I think there's a whole lot of us that are nodding in (laughs) agreement because we're probably a bit like that too, Sam. Sam, what's your favourite quote? I've got a lot of favourite quotes. This one actually um, came to me not long ago and it really resonated with me. And it says, be kind, be fair, be honest, be true. And all of these things will come back to you. What goes around comes around. Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you. And Sam, okay, I'm interested in this because you've been in CQ for quite some time. So Sam, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Um, I couldn't come up with a best kept secret, but I think that what the, the best of what we have to showcase here is between the land and the sea. And I love the sea. So I think all our islands, um, all the trips that you can do on the water, even just being able to go down to your poon, I find really, really relaxing and that grounds me and centres me. But we have some amazing national parks out there. You go further afield out to Anarchy, where I used to be um, acting principal, and you've got the gem field. So I think that CQ is a very diverse place and you can get the best of land and sea across all of us. Yeah, spot on. And that's why I asked that question because we get such diverse answers Mm. and find out the most amazing things. So I have to say I was down at the the beach on the weekend too and it is a great spot to Mm. be and to just let 
the work stress has flowed away on the ocean air. So thanks Very for sharing so. that, Sam. Sam, thanks for your time today and for playing right. Fast Five. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us about the Drumble Language Program at Gracemere. It's certainly a very exciting space and we look forward to seeing how it evolves and grows over time. Thanks, Trudy. It was lovely to be here. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You will find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversation, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Trudy. for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.